Good evening. Good to see each one of you here tonight. Would you stand with me, please? Let's turn to page 278. Page number 278. I am resolved. We'll sing verses 1, 2, and 5 together tonight. Lift it up on that first verse. I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. Things that are higher, things that are nobler, these have allured my sight. I will hasten to Him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to Thee. I am resolved to go to the Savior, leaving my sin and strife. He is the true one, he is the just one, he hath the words of life. I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to thee. I am resolved, and who will go with me? Come, friends, without delay. Taught by the Bible, led by the Spirit, we'll walk the heavenly way. I will hasten to Him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to It's good to be back in God's house, amen, sure enjoyed uh, this morning and looking forward uh, to tonight as we get ready, uh, go back into the life of Joshua. Let's go to the Lord in prayer uh, tonight, sure glad you're here. Brother Steve Parker, would you open us in a word of prayer, brother? Amen. Amen. Why don't you be seated uh, tonight? And uh, of course, did just want to mention a, a few things. I mentioned some things this morning, but uh, don't forget about if you have uh, teenagers uh, in the youth department. Of course, tonight after the service, I believe is a teen activity as well as this coming uh, Friday. There's a youth rally at First Baptist Church in Mission, Kansas, and I know our young people are going to be uh, heading to that and looking forward to preaching that. And so pray for me as I preach uh, to those young people, but trusting it'll be a blessing. And then, of course, next Sunday be our Thanksgiving banquets, our annual Thanksgiving banquet. So we'll have uh, regular morning uh, service times, and then we'll go over into the E.J. Watson Gymnasium and have lunch and then come back for an afternoon 
uh, service. There'll be no uh, evening service uh, next Sunday night. Our guest preacher is going to be Brother Tim uh, Knudsen, who pastors Jerome Bible Baptist Church there in Jerome, uh, Idaho, and just a dear friend. And so just want to encourage you, invite you not only to be here, but bring a side dish or a dessert or a side dish and a dessert or just desserts. I don't care, but amen. Let's look forward to a good time uh, in the Lord. And then, of course, don't forget about our midweek service next week. Uh, that week of Thanksgiving has moved from Wednesday uh, to Tuesday at 7 o'clock uh, that night, November the 22nd. And then, of course, if you have kids in the school, November the 23rd, they'll start their Thanksgiving uh, break. And then we have quite a few things coming up, of course, in the month of December uh, with our uh, Christmas uh, play uh, for the uh, school. And I believe that's on Tuesday night, December the 13th. And we have our annual business meeting on December the 14th. And then our junior church program on December the 18th, and then Christmas on December the 25th. And so we'll have uh, services that Sunday, a 1030 uh, service that morning, and looking forward to giving our God the honor and the glory. Amen. And so looking forward to what God uh, has for us, but sure excited about Thanksgiving, uh, the banquet next uh, Sunday, looking forward uh, to that. Okay, Brother Eric, come on ahead tonight. Let's continue singing from page 329. Page 329, he's a wonderful savior to me. We'll sing verses 1, 3, and 4 together tonight. Page 329. I was lost in sin, but Jesus rescued me. He's a wonderful savior to me. I was bound by fear, but Jesus set me free. He's a wonderful savior to me. For he's a wonderful Savior to me. He's a wonderful Savior to me. I was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. He's a wonderful Savior to me. He is always near to comfort and to cheer. He's a wonderful Savior to me. He forgives my sins, He dries my every tear, He's a wonderful Savior to me. For He's a wonderful Savior to me, He's a wonderful Savior to me. I was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. He's a wonderful Savior to me. Dearer grows the love of Jesus day by day. He's a wonderful Savior to me. Sweeter is His grace while pressing on my way. He's a wonderful Savior to me. For He's a wonderful Savior to me. He's a wonderful Savior to me. I was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. He's a wonderful Savior to me. He is wonderful. Amen. It's been a great day in the Lord's house. But ask Brother Luke Stewart, would you please pray for the offering tonight? Amen.
me one last time. Let's turn to page 321. My sins are gone. We'll sing all four verses tonight. Page 321. Lift it up on that first together. You ask me why I'm happy, so I'll just tell you why. Because my sins are gone. And when I meet the scoffers who ask me where they are, I say, my sins are gone. They're underneath the blood on the cross of Calvary, as far removed as darkness is from dawn. In the sea of God's forgetfulness, that's good enough for me. Praise God, my sins are gone. Twas at the old time altar where God came in my heart, and now my sins are gone. The Lord took full possession, the devil did depart. I'm glad my sins are gone. They're underneath the blood on the cross of Calvary, as far removed as darkness is from dawn. In the sea of God's forgetfulness, that's good enough for me. Praise God, my sins are gone. When Satan comes to tempt me and tries to make me doubt, I say, my sins are gone. You got me into trouble, but Jesus got me out. I'm glad my sins are gone. They're underneath the blood on the cross of Calvary. As far removed as darkness is from dawn In the sea of God's forgetfulness That's good enough for me Praise God, my sins are gone I'm living now for Jesus I'm happy night and day Because my sins are gone My soul is filled with music With all my heart I say I know my sins are gone. They're underneath the blood on the cross of Calvary. As far removed as darkness is from dawn. In the sea of God's forgetfulness, that's good enough for me. Praise God, my sins are gone. Amen. Great singing. You may be seated tonight. Just before the message, I'll have a special for Miss Phyllis Watson, Miss Christy Wisdom. And died for me and you And then he rose again to 
proof that every story had been true, that Jesus never This world brings trouble I find so hard to bear I know I could not make it without Jesus being there It's so encouraging to know However deep we're in despair That Jesus never fails So what can I do to prove to you Tell me, how can you deny? No untold facts, no mysteries. It's all so cut and dry. I'm on the witness stand of your life. I'll be the first to testify that Jesus never fails. Jesus never Because Jesus never fails. Jesus never fails. Jesus never fails. You might as well get thee behind me, Satan. You cannot prevail. Because Jesus never Well, let's all stand tonight in honor of God's Word, if you're able to stand. Joshua in chapter number 9. And y'all were quiet this morning, and now you're quiet again tonight. That's two services in a row. That's against the rules, amen. So y'all got to perk up a little bit tonight, all right? So Joshua in chapter number 9 uh, tonight. And, uh, of course, we've been going through the life of Joshua, and we know this, that, uh, well, we, uh, we made an AI sandwich, so to speak, and uh, had the ambushment set up and, and trapped AI, got a great victory uh, there. And then, of course, last week we worshiped uh, the Lord and still hope you're ha- kind of hanging on uh, to that lesson because we do need to worship our God. Amen. And uh, we need the right kind of worship, the worship in spirit and in truth. I'm, you get outside of those two parameters, you're not worshiping God, you're worshiping you. And so you got to be careful of that. All right, but, but what I'm saying to you is this, is that chapter 8, if we could say it like this, boy, it just really finished on a high note, and you want to see things just continuing to progress and to get better and, and victory and all of those things, but what we find in chapter 9 
is what I would call another setback. So verse number one of chapter nine, it says this, and it came to pass when all the kings which were on this side Jordan in the hills and the valleys and all the coasts of the great sea over against Lebanon, the Hittite and the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite, all the ites of the land, amen, uh, they heard thereof that they, they gathered themselves together to fight with Joshua and with Israel with one accord, made an alliance, right? But low notice in verse 3, and when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done unto Jericho and unto Ai, now notice this, they did work wilily. Did you see that? All right, and here's what they're going to do. And they went and made and as if they had been ambassadors and took hold of old sacks upon their asses and wine bottles and old and rent and bound up and old shoes and, and clouded upon their feet and old garments upon them and all the, the bread of their provisions was dry and, and moldy. I'm sure they hid the Twinkies in their pocket, right? And notice it says, And they went to Joshua and unto the camp of Gilgal and said unto him, To the men of Israel, We become from a far country. Now therefore make a league with us. You know they're tired. They've been traveling a long way. I'm just trying to help you. Look at verse number 7. And when the men of Israel said unto the Hivites, Peradventure ye dwell among us, and how shall we make a league with you? And they said unto Joshua, We are thy servants. And Joshua said unto them, Who are ye? And, they, and from whence come ye? And they said unto him, From a very far country thy servants are come, because of the name of the Lord thy God. For we have heard the fame of him and all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites that were on, that were beyond Jordan, to Sion, king of Heshbon, and to Og, king of Bashan, uh, which was at Ashtaroth. Where, wherefore our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spake to us, saying, Take victuals with you for the, for the journey and go to meet them and say unto them, We are thy, we are your servants. Now, therefore, now make a league with us. This, this our bread we took hot. For our provision out of our houses on the day we came forth to go with you. But now, look at this. We, we got it fresh out of the oven, but look now. Behold, it is dry and it is moldy. You want a bite? These bottles of wine, which we filled, were new. And behold, they be rent. These are, these, these are garments and our shoes are become uh, old by reason of the very long journey. Look at the soles on our Nikes, man. They're coming apart. Look, 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 now look what happens. I want you to watch this. Look at verse number 14. And the men took of their victuals and asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. And look at verse number 20, or verse number 15, excuse me. And Joshua made peace with them, made a league with them to let them live. And the princes of the congregation swear unto them. And we're going to stop reading right there. We're going to really kind of see the whole chapter tonight. Of course, if you've read through the book of Joshua. Many of you know this story uh, tonight. Now, here's what, I, here's what I titled the message tonight. Making a deal with the devil. Now, I, I know you're going to say, well, look, look, preacher, that, that's, a little, that's a little extreme. And I, and I realize that, but you've got to understand that's really the picture that you have here. Um, excuse me, but the enemies of, of Israel that are in the land of Canaan, Israel's not supposed to be making a deal with them. Israel's supposed to be destroying them. 
because that was God's judgment upon this wicked people, but also it was God's way of protecting his people from being influenced by them. They are the enemies of God. Hence, we get making a deal with the devil, which really is our enemy in the New Testament. So, so we got to understand that tonight. But here's the other thing. We go from a victory at Jericho to the defeat of Ai, to the sin of Achan, to the victory of Ai, to the worship of God, only to go back downward here with the deal with the Gibeonites. Well, what I would say to you tonight is this, is that the life of Joshua demonstrates the ups and downs of the Christian life and how it can be, especially when you're first saved. It's almost like a roller coaster as the child of God struggles to have victory. But can I say to you tonight that every time you give in to temptation and every time you buy in to the deal with the devil and the flesh and the world, that is going to set you back every time. Every time from having spiritual victory. And that's the picture you and I get tonight. That's the picture. Father, would you bless the preaching now in Jesus' name. Amen. Won't you be seated uh, tonight? Several years ago, my grandparents on my mom's side were living in, in Tupelo, Mississippi. And uh, that's where my, my mom's family is from, my mom. And, and um, anyways, they, they got a call. And, and my mom, my grandma, you know, she's got that uh, Mississippi accent where words are two syllables, but she turns them into three and four somehow. And and, uh, you know, so anyways, they, they got a call and my grandma answered the phone and said, hello. And the young man on the other end of the line said, grandma. And to which my grandma replied, well, yes, who, who, who is this? And he said, he said this, it's your favorite grandson. And my grandma said this, Jason. I can't tell you how deeply offended I was by that. I. I just let me let me just clarify. In fact, I even wrote this in my notes tonight to be sure that I get this statement straight. But she only said that because my cousin Jason thinks that he is her favorite grandson. All right, he he thinks that he was her favorite, and he called himself that all the time. That's why she said what she said. It's not because he really was her favorite. I was her favorite. Let's just be clear on that. But he went on to explain that this was Jason, and that. He was, he was in vacation in Canada for spring break and he had been arrested for drinking and driving and he needed $4,000 to get out of jail. And so my grandma went and got my, my grandpa and they wired him uh, the money. And, and then a little, wire, a little while later uh, uh, in the day, he called back again and said that, that just that wasn't enough. They're asking for more. And so he'd like to get another $4,000. And so again, they, they, they wired him the money. A couple of weeks went by and my grandma had called my aunt, uh, who is Jason's mom. And of course, while talking with her, she asked, she said, you know, how, how, how is Jason? And my aunt said, well, mom, he's fine. Why? And my grandma said, well, I just, I, I just wanted to make sure that he had gotten back from Canada Okay, to which my aunt said, Canada, what are you, what are you talking about? He works at, at Pensacola State College and he's been there the whole time. Mom, they don't get off for spring break and, and those kind of things. That, that's where he's been. He, he's never been to Canada. Turns out they were scammed. When my grandma said my cousin's name, Jason, 
The guy went right along with it and got him for $8,000. Unreal. The reason I'm telling you this story tonight is because really it illustrates exactly what happens to Joshua in Israel in our text by the Gibeonites. They, they are scammed. They are, they are deceived. And, and I, I, what I'm saying to you tonight is this, is that I want us to look at this passage and if we could tonight, let us be ones that avoid being scammed. Not, not, just, not just in this world with, with temporal things. I mean, listen, if you got grandkids, don't give them any money, amen? Especially if they've been arrested. I'm just... <laughs> pastoral advice there. I don't know. Take it or leave it, amen? But, but here's the other thing. Also, let's not be scammed in the spiritual realm either, Amen? You understand, when you are the one, and I want you to think about this, when you are the one being scammed, it's never fun. When, when it's over, it's never fun. You feel foolish for falling for it, and listen to this, it always costs you in the end. And I'm saying to you tonight, that is very true. Listen, that is very true, not just in the physical realm, that is very true in the spiritual realm, when it comes to your enemy and mine, who is the devil, and he deceives us and tricks us and scams us into buying into what he has to offer. Now, let me give you some things tonight from our text, and let's dive uh, right off into this. Now, number one tonight, I want you to see the deceit of the, of the Gibeonites, and really that's in verses 1 through 13 uh, that we've already read. And I listen, I, I want to say to you tonight, it's much like the battle of Ai, it's very self-explanatory. I don't feel like we have to go back through here and look at every little uh, jot and tittle through the verses, but I do want you to notice the, the, the picture here and, and see what's taking place. Look at verse number one of our text. It says, And it came to pass when all the kings which were on this side Jordan in the hills and in the valleys and in all the coasts of the great sea over against Lebanon... The Hittite and the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite heard thereof that they gathered themselves together to fight with Joshua and with Israel with one accord. And, and so right here it begins to tell us about the kings of the south, if you will, and they're gathering together. They're going to fight, all right, against Israel and Joshua because of what they have heard of uh, from Jericho as well as the city of Ai, what they were thinking is this, is that if we'll combine forces, uh, we can take on Joshua and Israel, and we can rid them out of our land. And let me just clarify tonight, they are going to be wrong. <laughs> you understand tonight, though they are going to outnumber Israel, if you've got God on your side, you are not outnumbered by the enemy. Somebody say amen tonight. But look at verse number three, all right? Because notice what happens. It says, And when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done unto Jericho and unto Ai, it goes on down and begins to tell us that they did work wildly. And so what this is telling us is that the inhabitants of Gibeon, all right, they didn't go along with this, this alliance of the kings of the south. They decided to do something else rather uh, than fight. And in verse number four, it tells us that they did work wildly. And what that means is this, is that they worked deceptively. 
And then what, what I'm saying to you tonight is this, is to get you to see the picture, this, this shows us the length that our enemy is willing to go to to see us to live in defeat. You understand, like Joshua and Israel, please, please get this tonight, he cannot take us head on. Now, now please understand, that's not because of how great you are or I am. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. It's because of the promise of the Bible that says greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Somebody say amen tonight. Come on, friend. What a wonderful promise and, and a wonderful blessing. But you understand, knowing that he cannot defeat us head on, I'm just saying to you tonight that he is still going to fight. He is still going to oppose. And the way that he is going to do that is by working wilily, if you will, by using deception among us. After all, he is the father of lies. So, so we need to understand that. And I, and, I, and I know you and I are looking at this tonight and going, man, making a deal with the devil. Preacher, no one in their right mind is going to make a deal with the devil. No one in their right mind. And I, I, I realize that. But here's, but here's the thing. It's not that they, you know, purposefully or intently do it. It's that they're deceived into it. And that's exactly what happens in our text. And here's the other thing to note. One of the ways the devil attempts to deceive us is through appearance. I mean, look, look at what happens here in verse number 4. It says that they did work wildly and went and made as if they had been ambassadors and took old sacks upon their asses and wine bottles old and rent and bound up old shoes clouded upon their feet old garments and bread that was dry and, and moldy there at the end of verse number five and, and so you, you understand what they're doing is this they're getting dressed up in old clothes they're carrying old food to give the appearance of being uh, from far away and folks what I'm saying to you is this that is exactly like the devil that is exactly what he does. Please listen to this. He's not going to come to you in a red suit, wearing a red suit and holding a pitchfork. Everybody's going to know, that's him. That's not the way he works. In fact, the Bible says this, he's an angel of light. Do you understand, friend? In other words, he's deceptive in his appearance. Being an angel of light means this. Man, he's very beautiful to look upon and glorious. And when you look, you think, man, how wonderful and how great. But what you're going to find out is there's nothing wonderful or great about him. He's our enemy. In fact, notice in verse, uh, verse number 9 and even all the way down in verse number 10, it said, and they said unto him, they're talking to Joshua, the, the Gibeonites, they said, well, they, you know, they're from a very far country, thy servants are come. But notice this, because of the name of the Lord thy God, for we have heard the fame of him and all that he did in Egypt. And of course, they rehearsed the, 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 the two kings of the Amorites, Sihon and, and Og, that were defeated uh, under Moses. Well, what I'm saying to you is this, is that it wasn't just a, a physical appearance of, of deception. It was also a spiritual appearance too. Oh, listen, we, we come to you in the name of the Lord. They didn't come to them in the name of the Lord. They came to them to save their own necks. It's a lie, friend. It's a, it's a, um, we're pretending to be spiritual so that you, you'll receive us, receive us in. But, but again, friend, isn't that the way the enemy works? 
It's deception. And if he can throw a little spirituality in there to get you to bite, he'll do it. Let me, let me just clarify something, so a couple of things tonight. And just, just bear with me, if you will. Do you know from the beginning, he, from the moment that he came on the scene in the Bible, he used deception. I want you to hold your place there in Joshua, if you don't mind, and go with me to Genesis in, in chapter number 3. And let's, let's notice some things here in Genesis chapter number 3, just, just quickly with me. Look at, look at the way the Bible describes him in verse number 1. Now the serpent was more subtle, you know, wily. That's a good word. I'm going to say that word a lot tonight. Probably tomorrow too, wily. My dogs are being wily. Subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, now, now watch this. Here's the deception. It's already starting. Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of the tree of the of, of every tree of the garden? Did you catch, no, notice the end there, the question mark? He put a question mark where God put a period. Boy, I'm listening. He's already attacking the word of God the very moment that he comes on the scene, and folks. I'm listen. That's exactly what he's doing today. That's why you got NIVs and ESVs and RSVs. RSVs a disease. I guess I got the KJV. Amen. I, listen, I'm just going to stick with the authorized King James Version of the Scriptures because that is the preserved Word of God for the English-speaking people because of the text that it came from, the manuscripts, and the motive behind it, and the method of translation. Friend, I'm telling you, praise God we have the Word of God, but don't you think for a minute that the devil's not attacking that because that's the very foundation of our faith. And if he can shake, if he can shake the bedrock, friend, he can shake anything. So he attacks the word of God, but then look at verse number two. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And so Eve right there is already confused because God didn't say if you touch it, you die. He said if you eat it, you die. But isn't it ironic that it didn't take long for the devil to get Eve to thinking about what she couldn't have versus what she already had in God. The beginnings of deception. Then look at what he says in verse number four. The serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Whew. Folks, if I could say it like this, his propositions were chalked full of half-truths. Their eyes would be opened, knowing evil and good. But I'm going to tell you something, they were not made gods. And, and by the way, and though they didn't die immediately, they would die. Because now sin has entered into the world through mankind. And, and you understand, innocency is now out the window. And so, well, listen, the wages of sin is death. And it seems like we heard a message about that this morning. Well, what I'm saying to you is this. This is exactly why Jesus said, 
what he said about the devil in John chapter 8 and verse 44, talking to the Pharisees, he said, You're of your father, the devil, in the lust of your father ye will do. Here's what he says about the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh, when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. I'm just telling you, he's a deceiver. He's a liar. Now go with me to the end of the Bible and look at Revelation in chapter number 6. Revelation in chapter number 6, just very quickly. And Listen, I, I realize there's a host of places that I could go to throughout the book of Revelation, but I want you to see Revelation chapter 6 and look at verses 1 and 2 with me. And in verse number 1, man, what a powerful verse. And I saw when the Lamb, that'd be Jesus Christ, Amen. Uh, opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, and one of the four beasts saying, come and see. And so you understand in the previous chapter, uh, the, the scroll that's in the right hand of him that sat upon the throne, well, the lamb was worthy to take the scroll and loose the seals thereof. And he begins to loose the seal here, the first seal. And in verse number two, it says, and I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering, and to conquer. And really who this is right here is this is the Antichrist, the first horse of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. But, but notice the, the deception right here. He's riding a white horse just like Jesus Christ does in Revelation 19. But this isn't Jesus Christ. He's a deceiver. Well, watch this. Um, um, notice he has a bow with no arrows. You know what that speaks of? Peace. But look at what it says once he gets a crown. It says, and we went forth. It says, and when a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Classic politician move. I'll tell you one thing, but I'm going to do another I'm trying real hard not to go after the Democrats right now. <laughs> but the truth is the Republicans are riding there with them. That's right. They're all wicked. But do you understand this is the Antichrist? And I, listen, he's a deceiver and a liar. And even John, 2 John, or 2 John verse 7, it says this, For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an Antichrist. The reason the Antichrist's main characteristic is deception is because he is of his father, the devil. Now, here's why I'm saying to you tonight. Now, here's, catch this. Please catch this. If he's a liar and a deceiver in the beginning, and he's a liar and a deceiver in the end, then why would we not think that he's a liar and a deceiver right now? Folks, that's, that's exactly how he's working. Folks, do you, do you not understand that? That's, I mean, listen, that, that, that's how, I'm just, listen, I'm just telling you how he works. I mean, you think about churches today and the false prophets that, that he's sending into churches today to lure them and deceive them away from the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, friend, this is what Paul warned the church at Corinth of 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, in verses 13 through 15, he said this, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And then he says this, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. What he's talking about is their deception. And, and here, listen, listen, and here's what I found. Please, please listen to this. A church doesn't go off the deep end doctrinally overnight. It is a process, a step-by-step, you know, process that, that they gradually move. But here's how it starts. It, it starts with, well, it starts with the devil coming along and getting you to focus on what you don't have rather than what you do have. But here's the other thing. He gets the man of God to buy into a bunch of half-truths through some podcast or, or some YouTube video or some book or some fellow preacher friend that's bought into some deception or lies. And the next thing you know, he's selling the half-truths to his people. And the next thing you know, the church is gradually drifting away from the things of God. And, 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 and listen, then doctrine and, and scripture and truth, it all goes out the window to, to chase after the entertainment and the nonsense and the foolishness of this world. I'm just telling you, friend, it doesn't happen overnight, but it does happen and it happens starting with deception. That's right. It's why, it's why it's so important that we know what we believe and why we believe it. It's so important, friend, that we know what we believe and why we believe it. And, and listen, and, and we go to the Scriptures and, and we ask ourselves the hard questions and we put everything in light of the Word of God. Because here's what I found. Some things might sound real good on the surface. But then you put them in the light of the Word of God and you find out how false they are. And I, and I want to even say this tonight, and I know I preached on this on Wednesday night, but let me say this again. It's also why the people of God need to get behind the man of God when he confronts these things. And I listen, I, I realize tonight I'm, I'm kind of preaching to the crowd, so to speak, but let me help you with this tonight. When we deal with doctrine and we expose the lies and the fallacies in the false doctrines of our day and give the truth from the Word of God, my friend, you better pay attention to the things of God and not sit there and go, oh, here he goes again on another rant. No, my friend, you better heed the preaching and here's why, because I'm not the only one facing it. You are too. And you need to know what you believe and why you believe it and how to answer those things and confront those things. And, and by the way, and when someone comes into this church and tries to derail it and the man of God exposes them and sends them packing, I would suggest you back the man of God on the thing. That's what I would do. And here's something else I found. It never fails that when we see God doing a work, the devil's right there looking to oppose it. I'm just telling you, be careful around revival time. Be careful around missions conference time. Be careful around vacation Bible school time. Don't go on vacation. <laughs> Might blow a head gasket. Might get COVID. Well, what I'm saying to you, though, is this, is that he's always going to try and mess it up, and he'll use deception to do it. 
He, he will, friend. Listen, you, you and I better be sober and we better be vigilant because our adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And I'm telling you, friend, he'll use deception to devour you. But it, listen, it's not just the things that come on us corporately as a body of believers. It's, it's also, if I could say it like this, the, the foolish things that we allow in our personal lives. This, this is how the devil gets you and me to buy into sin and the flesh and the world. Folks, it's through enticement, luring, deception. It's by, listen to this, it's by getting us to think that those things are going to bring us satisfaction and happiness and joy and fulfillment And I, listen, I, I've even heard people throwing a little spirituality in there to justify it. I had a guy tell me one time, well, you know, preach, I'm going to go to this rock concert, but I'm taking some tracks with me to witness to people. And I was like, you are dumber than a box of rocks, son. You didn't get all your fries and your Happy Meal, did you? Because, li- listen, that, that is nonsense. Last time I checked in the Scriptures... The church had a far greater impact on this world when it was less like the world. You don't have to be like the world to win the world. The world needs something far different than what the devil's offering them up. You understand? But here's the thing. The devil had already, he had already bought into a satanic reasoning and went off into those things. But here's, but listen, but how often do we give into temptation thinking to ourselves, this is what's going to satisfy me. But in the end, you know what I find? It never does. It never does. It's a lie. It is, it is just like every addiction and every sin of the flesh, uh, alcohol, drugs, gambling, pornography. You, listen, you, you go down the list of the things that, 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 that people are buying into today. And unfortunately, even a lot of God's people, and I'm just telling you, friend... They always sell you short. They always do. It's it's deception, friend. And what I'm saying to you is this. Don't fall for it. Because it just leads to more defeat in the Christian life. In fact, unfortunately, Joshua does. He's duped. You got the deceit of Gibeon, but you got the duping of Joshua and Israel. And look at what happens in verse 14. And we already read this, but, but again, I want you to notice this. It says, and the men took of their victuals. You know, they, they inspected the moldy bread. Yeah, it looks pretty nasty. I can't believe you guys have been eating this. Well, they hadn't been. So they inspected the bread. But then look at what happens. It says this, and asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. And Joshua made peace with them and made a league with them and let them to let them live. And, and the princes of the congregation swear unto them. Listen, it's, 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 they never asked counsel to the Lord. And I want to say to you tonight, and, I, and I, you understand this is a rhetorical question, but don't you think God knew who they were and where they came from? It's almost like, you know, nobody asked and it's almost like, they just assumed they 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 you know they well you know let's let's not let's not take these little things to God. 
Why not, friend? He's the God of the big things and the little things. You know, you know well, you know, we just, we just got through with that big uh, victory at AI and and, uh, you know, and, and listen, we, we just worship God. We're, we're right. Listen, we're, we're on a spiritual plateau. We're, listen, we're, and, and you want to, and I want to think, man, that's exactly why Joshua had you worship God. Because it's on the spiritual plateau that you're vulnerable to this kind of stuff. And they bought right into it. Hey, listen, we're self-sufficient. We're good to go. We're, hey, listen. But isn't that how we're duped? Come on, isn't that how we buy into it? Come on, I listen, it never fails to get on the mountaintop in the child of God's life, and man, just next thing you know, you're like, man, this is awesome. I'm doing great. And then boom, you buy right off into something and find yourself at the bottom of the valley again. Listen, they, they never, and, and I want you to see some things here, just a couple of things here. If you want to avoid being duped by the enemy, Folks, always run it through the Word of God. We ought to try the spirits and see whether they be of God. How do you do that, preacher? Because, honey, if ain't in here, we don't need it. Is everybody catching that? Well, you know, you know I, the spirits lead me this way, but I, I know what the Bible says. But listen, then that ain't the spirit of God. Because the author of this book, who is the Spirit, is never going to lead you something contrary to this book. I'm just telling you. You can sit there like a knot on the log and stare off into space tonight, but I'm just telling you the truth. And you listen, I, and this is what, by, by comparing them to the light of God's Word, I, and I want you to think about this. Joshua, and, and, and think about this from, from, the, from the end of chapter number 8. They just got through building an altar at Mount Ebal, And Joshua wrote out the entire book of Moses, the Pentateuch, the the, the book of the law. He wrote everything out. Man, they must have been there for a long time. That's a lot of writing. In Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse 29, this is the last thing. Listen to this. This is the last thing Moses said. Before he went off and God took him home. Here's what he said. I want you to listen. I'm not going to have you turn there tonight for time's sake, but here's what he said. Please listen to this. He says, Happy art thou, O Israel, who is like unto thee, O people, saved by the Lord, the shield of thy help, and who is the sword of thy excellency. Talking about the Lord. And then he says this. Listen to this. And thine enemies shall be found liars unto thee. And here you go. Had Joshua just went back to what he just wrote, he wouldn't have been duped. These guys are liars. Please listen to this. Isn't that exactly how we are? We got the Word of God sitting right in front of us, and the best we can do is make a coffee table decoration out of it. Why don't you run it through the light of God's Word every now and then? Why don't you go to the Scriptures? Why don't you get in the Word and learn what you believe and why you believe it? So that when temptation comes along, friend, you can know what's right and you can go. I'm just telling you, friend, that's exactly how the enemy works. He deceives us. Why not open the book and find out 
how He works so that He doesn't fool us. And here's the other thing to think about. Certainly as you and I have seen this in Joshua's life, Joshua never prayed and asked the Lord for wisdom or discernment. Joshua has been so faithful to get on his face and to pray and to seek the Lord in times of need. But the one time that he doesn't, he's fooled. And how heartbreaking that is. But the point is to say this, there's not always a clear commandment from the Scriptures on some things, but that doesn't mean we have to stay in the dark tonight and be deceived. You understand, friend, we have access to our God in prayer. And the last time I checked, the promise is still true that we can ask for wisdom and He gives it to all men liberally. What I'm saying to you tonight is this, is that it's no wonder so many of God's people, they struggle in their walk with God and they ride the Christian roller coaster of life up and down and up and down. Here's why. It's because we're never in the Word and we fail to walk with God in prayer. And the enemy comes along and we're primed for the picking. And let me tell you the last thing tonight, and that's this, the doom of the deal. Notice in verse number 16, it says this, And it came to pass at the end of the three days, <laughs> after they had made a league with them, that they heard that they were their neighbors, and that they dwelt among them. And the children of Israel journeyed and came into their cities on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon and and Shephira, and Beeroth, and Kerjath, Jerem, and the children of Israel smote them not, because the princes of the congregation had sworn unto them by the Lord God of Israel, and all the congregation murmured against the princes, but all the princes said in the congregation, we've sworn unto the Lord God of Israel. Now therefore we may not touch them. There's nothing we can do. We've given our word. And what happens as you read on down here is that they're confronted on their lie, they begin to tell them the real truth. It wasn't because of God. They just wanted to save their own neck. And Joshua says, we're going to make servants and slaves out of you. But here's what I want to say. According to verses 16 and 18, like Israel realizing here, it doesn't take you long to figure out when you got the short end of the stick on a deal you made with the devil. For the drug user, the highs always wear off, friend. For the alcoholic, you're going to wake up with a hangover. The gambler, you're going to lose the money. In the thrill of pornography and fornication, it'll be over quickly. And in the end, you're going to realize, I got the short end of the stick. And this is what I want to point out to you, and I want you to catch two things here, and I'm done. The first one is this, and I want you to listen to this. Sometimes the consequences of the deal with the devil can last the rest of your life. You know, I like that principle from the book of, or from the uh, Hope Ministry, helping others put off entanglements. It's an addictions ministry. And one of the principles is this you can choose your sin, but you can't choose the consequences. And that's true, friend. And that's what happens with Israel right here and their deal that they make with the Gibeonites. They're stuck with them. And I, listen, be, be a fact. They're going to rescue them in the next chapter. Be, be a fact. You can go on into the life of David and you will find David dealing with them during his reign 
Because King Saul in his wickedness slaughtered some of them and God's still honoring this covenant that had been made. And what I'm saying to you tonight is this, is that there are times where we can give into the temptation of the devil, but you need to understand there could be a consequence on the other side of that that you'll pay for for the rest of your life. All right, listen, I've seen people give into sexual temptation and ruin their lives forever, their marriage or whatever. I've seen people dabble with drugs and overdose and ruin their mind forever. It's beyond repair or even lose their own life. You understand, I could sit here tonight and go on and on with with multitudes of, of scenarios where people gave in to the devil and the flesh and and the world. And they bought into these things. And in the end, I'm just telling you, they dealt with the consequences for the rest of their life. And what I'm saying to you is this, that is what makes this deal and deception so dangerous. It's what makes it so dangerous. And it, listen, it, it may not be, sometimes it may not be forever, but I will say this, it can take a long time to get over it. I, I don't know. I, I almost wanted to kind of preach a precursor message to this point or, or whatever. But, and I don't know if you've ever heard of the teaching on the, on, uh, uh, the teaching of uh, you know, being in a spiritual wilderness. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. You, actually, you can study it from the life of, of David. And when David sinned with Bathsheba and committed adultery with her, Uh, What happens is this, is that when Nathan confronts him and says, Thou art the man, David repented. And and, and immediately, I believe this, immediately God forgave him. But but you understand that forgiveness and and fully restoring back to fellowship is two very different things. I'm just telling you. And and if you you want, I, I would invite you, even tonight, maybe tonight as you go to bed, I would encourage you to read Psalms 38, in Psalm 39 and, and into Psalm 40. Because really what that does, what that shows you is that's David pinning, pinning down under the Spirit of God his time through the spiritual wilderness. And what it is, is it's basically this, this loneliness that's expressed in David's life as he has, he's been forgiven, but he's longing to be restored back to right fellowship with God, the fellowship that he had with God before he committed adultery and murdered Uriah. And you understand, there's a time where God just is resisting him because God's testing his repentance to see if it's real or not. And praise God, you got Psalm 38 and you got Psalm 39. And then when you get to Psalm 40, it talks about him lifting him up out of the miry clay and setting him upon the solid rock, talking about finally being restored unto God. It's a great... It's a great study, but what I'm saying to you is this, is that I know this in my life, that when I give in to those besetting sins and those things that I battle with, I can repent immediately and be forgiven. But what I have found is that the time in spiritual wilderness gets longer and longer and longer every time I buy into the deal of the devil. And if you've got a besetting sin and you struggle with something and you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know it tonight. And it gets longer and it gets longer. And I'm just saying tonight, it may not be something that you pay for for the rest of your life, but it can be something you pay for for a little while.
Because God will forgive you, but He's going to test your repentance. You understand what I'm saying? And again, that's what makes this so, so vital tonight. Listen, if you're saved, you, you need to be saved tonight. And the only way to be saved is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and believing on His death and burial and resurrection and putting your faith and trust in Him. But once you've been saved tonight, God wants you to live in victory. He wants you to. But you've got to understand that you have an enemy that wants to keep you from victory. And he's going to come at you with deception He's going to try to get you to buy into what he's offering. And you mark it down, friend. It's going to sell you short every time. And the best thing that you could do is stay in the book and stay on your knees in prayer and walk with God and don't give in. Don't give in. Because I'm telling you tonight, God wants you to live in victory. But I know this. I've blown it a time or two. And I'd venture to say you have too. Boy, oh boy, let's, let's be reminded tonight of our enemy. And let's not give in and make a deal. Let's all stand tonight.